Hey everyone, it's me, Sean Capri, and welcome to episode 12 of a brand new rebooted We the Gamer cast. This is We the Nerdies community podcast. Each week I talk to a member of the community, bunch of nerds, bunch of geeks, bunch of guys who, and girls hopefully, who like video games. I've never met any of my guests, so it's sort of like a blind date that I can wear Super Mario pajamas and talk about video games the whole time with no pressure. So I've been liking it so far. I actually got the idea for this format while I was hanging out at San Diego Comic Con and my wife noticed that I was just starting up conversations with people while I was waiting in line. So that plus I'm obsessed with podcasts. So hence we the gamer cast in this new format was born. So every Monday or in this case Tuesday I'll post a new conversation with somebody from the community, whether being we the nerdies community or somewhere on the internet. I will have people coming at me and talking about video games. Um, so yeah, I was talking about San Diego Comic Con, and I realized, you know, hanging out with a few thousand fellow nerds, I was with my people, so it wasn't too difficult to find some common ground and have some great conversations. So now in 2016, with a new format, I. Hope you guys like the show and hope you'll, you'll stick around. And uh, on that note, I want to say thank you so much for listening. And I obviously don't get paid anything to do this show. And all I really want to do is just talk to people about video games. So I'm, I'm grateful to Andrew for letting me do this. And I'm grateful for anybody who's listening. If you have any feedback or if you want to be part of the show, you can find me on Twitter at Sean Capri. That's Sean like Connery and Capri like the pants. Or even better, you could go on iTunes or wherever you're downloading this podcast and give me a nice shiny five-star rating. That helps more than you know, and I appreciate it so much. This will be the second episode of this new format where it's kind of like a one-on-one conversation. The last time I did it was with Seamus Mullins. Uh, but after that, I took a bit of a break, um, both from work and from from writing and from podcasting. Uh, and aside from spending time with my family over the Christmas holiday, I basically just sat on my ass and plowed through probably more games in, in two or three weeks than I have probably ever. Uh, a few highlights were definitely Ori in the Blind Forest, Batman Arkham Knight, until dawn everyone's gone to the rapture rise of the tomb raider life is strange bloodborne there's probably even more those are just the ones that kind of come up off the top of my head and uh yeah i hope you guys had a really good christmas holiday uh some time away from anything whatever whatever takes you away from video games i hope that took a nice little pause and you were able to catch up on a nice little backlog or or find the game that you'd missed in 2015 i know i definitely did and i had a great time it was sort of like a little mini retirement and i wish i could go into full-blown retirement because there's so many games so many things to talk about and i'll talk to andrew in just a second here about what i thought my top 10 games were i'm totally interested in what any of your top 10 games were or what your favorite moments of 2015. So hit us up on the Facebook group at We The Nerdy Fan Group. I don't know what the URL is, but you can pretty much just search it. It's probably got a groups in there slash something something dark side. 
So Andrew Semichek is my guest this week, and he's the guy who runs WeTheNerdy.com. He founded WeTheNerdy.com. He's probably making a trillion dollars from this site because he has such great talent like myself, obviously, and a few other podcasts. One of my actual – this may sound biased, but it's actually one of my favorite podcasts going right now. Is It's called Game Over Man, and it's with fellow writer Sean Messler and – a fellow Canadian, Rory Wood, they talk about games and movies and, you know, most of us in the podcasting community are basically just making shit up as we go. Uh, but these two guys know their stuff, both in movies and in games. I'm a, I'm a big fan, part of that group as well, uh, Game Over Man. So if you like this show, you'll probably like that show. And WeTheNerdy.com has got some good things coming in 2016. So I wanted to talk to the guy who runs the whole thing, Andrew Semichek. He invited me on to We The Gamer Cast a few episodes ago, and we had some staffing changes. But I always wanted to continue this on, and so eventually I, I came to him and said I can't really commit, or I guess I can't find anybody else who can commit to doing a weekly podcast, so why don't I just kind of get mini commitments from from people each and every week? So that's this was sort of like creativity born out of limitation. So he let me do kind of, he's let my, me do my thing, but I wanted to get him on the show and talk to him a little bit about what it is to run a website like we, the nerdy.com. And then also what his 2015. So let's talk to the guy who managed to both procreate and run a website called we, the nerdy.com Andrew Semichek. <laughs> As I was going through it, I'm like, I feel like I played this, and I was spending the, the last few months just kind of like dabbling in and out of the remastered version or the definitive edition. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually thought that that was going to be the best way to jump into this new one, and it probably was the worst because you just kind of realize how little they move the needle forward. Like, it's definitely an amazing game and deserved a spot on my top 10, but I think that I enjoyed it less because I just played a great Tomb Raider game. I can see that. Like I, I think for my, myself, I really I liked the game because of that. I liked the game because it definitely was compared to what it was. I liked the like the new Lara that you got in in the original like the, the reboot Tomb Raider. Um, <laughs> compared to and people are like oh it's blah blah she's shit because you know she's not she she's not a badass yet. And why do they kind of have to retell all this stuff? And I'm like because she's still. She just went through a whole like traumatizing thing with her with her dad and or not with her dad but with all those people and everything and you know of course they're not gonna she's not gonna immediately want to be like let's you know I'm fine you know that's that's what made her generic in the first place like yep. this is a relatable character she's gonna have like specific character flaws yeah they kind of relied on her being rich basically before like they 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 had the first couple Tomb Raiders and then you actually saw I don't know if it was actually in the second or third one where you finally saw Croft Manor. And you could kind of like go into some training things, and but her whole character was pretty thin. It was really based on like what she looked like, 
And then they're like, oh, she's ripped, so she's probably... It's kind of like the Batman thing, like, he's rich. Exactly, like, <laughs> she's, she's got... She's rich, so, you know, no one, you know, would just use money to uh, to get by. That's all it was. She's a, a kid with, you know, who's got daddy issues, yes, but, you know, she's far from being, like, this rich, spoiled girl that's like, oh, daddy would just buy this for me. Yeah, I didn't get that sense at all. No, neither did I. I really am discouraged by how few people are playing this game. Um, there's a whole lot of, you know, stories going on about why that's the case, and I just... I don't know. Like, I don't think anybody will really know. I think Fallout 4 probably had a bigger impact than anybody ever imagined. Um, but oh, for sure. That's, that's got it. Like, if I'm going to choose, like, one thing, that's got to be it. Um, but a lot of people are holding Microsoft accountable for this, for making it the exclusive. And I think that probably plays a smaller part than anybody's kind of realizing. Yeah, I don't think... I don't think... People are like, oh, I'm like, I don't understand. Because that's, that's fanboy talking. That's... And really, in all reality, yeah, it you're is. gonna go against like one of the biggest games of the year. And yeah, Tomb Raider is a big game, yes, but it's nowhere near like the Titan that it was back in the '90s. To really have the cojones to tell Bethesda, "Hey, fuck off, we're gonna we're gonna put this game out the same day." No, that was poor choice on Microsoft's part because and because Microsoft only did the publishing, they could have easily gotten. Like this to become a January game and made this thing become like an easily a top ten of twenty of of twenty sixteen, and maybe the early twenty sixteen just because because of that. Yeah. What do you think about this as sort of like the case study for future companies picking a release date? Because again, I think we can move away from this being an exclusive. I think that there are certain games like I don't think anybody didn't buy it because it was on only on Xbox. You think that the people oh, no. who could buy it were gonna do it because they own the Xbox. But let's let oh, so we can sure. move that away. Like so what do you think people or companies and the people running them, how do you think this would affect or does it affect them choosing a release date based on what else is go like what are the open windows? I don't think it's gonna do much for people I don't think it's gonna do much for devs that are gonna be you know, I don't think they're gonna be like, Oh no, you know, we're gonna have to change our things back. I think what it's gonna do for game publisher specifically, I think it's going to show them that, you know, trying to go for that exclusive third-party title is not necessarily, or third-party AAA title is not, is not where it once was. You know, back, back a couple, two generations ago, that was what people really wanted to go for. And now it's, it's what is that first-party lineup really going to give, not what exclusive title you're going to have. Because really, the, you know, you're going to have an exclusive, yeah, but you always know that with companies these days, they're always looking for how much money they're going to re- generate. So no matter what, even if somebody says it's going to be exclusive, it's never going to be an exclusive. It'll always be a time release. And that's, that's just the, 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 the you know, fallacy of marketing right now. Yeah, so so, it's not like back in the day with like, you know, Final Fantasy VII where that mm-hmm. was like, oh, that's, that's a PlayStation exclusive period. That was kind of like the original Sony can do no wrong. You know, exactly. where they, 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 well, actually, it was, that was really pinned on a Nintendo, probably rightfully so, that they messed up, that they didn't make their system CD based. And so that was like the original. Sony can go ahead and like snag some of these that normally would be a, a exclusive on another system or platform that they can just like snag it. And if anybody else does it, it's like, nope, because there was huge backlash for basically the same situation for Microsoft to say, this is going to be ours. And then I guess probably the the real backlash came from 
the it being unclear whether or not it was going to be a timed exclusive or not. But it was just like a, a series of just shit announcements around this whole thing. It was kind of doomed to start. And that's the sad thing is that it, it's... I never thought it was going to be a bad game by any means, but it was mm-hmm. never one that I was like, oh, man, I'm really looking forward to it. And then I started seeing the, you know, the positive review scores coming out for people. Like, oh, this is my game of the year. I'm like, all right, well, I'll, I'll consider playing it. Or, you know, if I can get it for Christmas, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a, a shot. And, you know, it's not it's nothing that's... It's not, blowing my mind like i really i'm enjoying it because i really enjoyed the the, the reboot because that was the first game i actually ended up uh playing to completion on my ps4 and it was really what i was like ah, i don't know if i really want to do this you know but i'm like all right you'll give it a shot i really like granted it kind of had that indiana jones and the crystal temp the crystal sky nice. kind of complex where it was uh you know oh we're we're th- we're this for two thirds of it oh we're going to this really crazy sci-fi aspect and and ghosts and aliens and you know yeah all it, this weird kind of weirdness to it that yeah, all the all the gone. indiana jones the uncharted's the tomb raiders they all sort of kind of draw from that formula that's been around now for what 30 years or something god we're old uh but i, I guess, wanted to yeah. I, <laughs> it's, it's well weird. you mentioned you mentioned before about uh, exclusives being key two two generations ago, and I totally agree. I don't think that exclusives were a big deal in the 360 and PS3 era, and I, it's interesting to see Microsoft give so much focus to that, even though they they didn't have really the the exclusives at the start. Sony always had their Sony Studios, and that name when that when that banner comes across at the start of a a Sony game, I. I get an inclination that I'm in for a, a more quality experience for whatever reason than I am when I see Microsoft Studios. And the funny thing is that's not necessarily true. But for some reason, I see Sony Entertainment or whatever it is, Sony Computer Entertainment. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, this is going to be incredible. And I should feel that when I play a Microsoft Studios game. But I don't know, maybe the design of it is kind of has changed over the years, too. It's been... Uh, well, I think part of it is too is that the pedigree for a lot of the Microsoft Studio titles just isn't there compared to yeah. the Sony ones that have had four generations essentially to really kind of develop and and generate that brand recognition. So you have you have a, a company like or you have a brand like uh, oh God, like oh, I'm trying to think off that. Like Gran Turismo. Yeah, so let's take that. That's exactly what I was thinking. That compared to Forza. Yeah, like that. And like, like I love I love Forza more than than I ever loved Grand. Me too. Gran Turismo. That's just I don't know. Like like the games just work better for me than than Gran Turismo does. But I think to people that look on the outside, they they see a brand that's like, oh, okay, this is Gran Turismo. We know what that is. Where Forza is like, ah, I I really think Forza came into its own when it became when Forza Three came out and they got the guys from Top Gear to mm-hmm. kind of brand it, and that was kind of like their their oh, shit, we're legit now kind of thought process. Yeah, it's one of those things where they're the second ones coming, whereas Gran Turismo was first. It's what everybody kind of grew up with. They know that as being the front run. They kind of claim that spot with with no competition. And then exactly. it comes along, and like it's a quality game. But yeah, it's never, it's never hit that pedigree. Um, but definitely Forza hit my top ten. But I kind of want to jump over to, just in case you didn't know where this is the podcast, I sort of just like I, I launch, into, we were launch into things. I, recording. Yeah. Um, 
went well with Seamus anyways, and he's just like, yeah, that's fine. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, so I, I wanted to jump over to wethenerdy.com. I'm looking at our top 10 list, and you, you didn't really, this year you didn't provide a vote. There was five or six of us who actually did vote. And I wanted to know your thoughts. I don't know if I've ever actually like even seen on the Facebook fan group um, if you've submitted any thoughts on what we ended up choosing as our number one or if you had any games that like were totally not even on the list. Well, I did I did put my own top ten in. I just didn't actually get a chance to actually <laughs> write anything it? for it. Well, Sean, Sean counted it, but apparently I was in the minority for voting because my number one this year was Metal Gear Solid Five. Oh, nice. Um, nice. And... Was followed by uh, was it was basically my top three were Metal Gear Solid Five, Witcher Three, and Bloodborne. Nice. So nice. really, it, it, it was it was the the general consensus game. And then I was I think it was Fallout Four was number four. I, it was it was a kind of a toss up between I was trying to I was debating on putting Fallout Four there, but I started playing Bloodborne again recently, and I forgot how much I actually really did enjoy the core combat of that game and just the core game play mechanics. So whereas I like I love Fallout Four, but I. It, uh, you know, I don't know. I just it, there's there's a, a game breaking glitches in that that can kind of piss me off. Mm-hmm. Where I didn't really get that so much with, with Bloodborne, but you know, I understand. I understand Bloodborne getting the vote for everybody. It's it's a very well done game. There's no doubt about that. I think that, that Bloodborne, though, compared to other games, is not necessarily as as new person friendly as say something like like a Metal Gear or even a Witcher to that extent where you kind of have the you have the tutorial levels and all that and I get mm-hmm. that that's never that's, that's a Souls game that's all it is but there's a lot of people that, that, that kind of went into that I think that didn't really understand that so much and I think that a lot of you it, I'm surprised that it stayed in a lot of people's minds for as long as it did because I, I just didn't see, I quite honestly didn't see from my, my Facebook profile or my, my Facebook, but from my PSN friends profiles that it was just staying in people's hearts and minds for long term. I mean, I still see people playing, you know, Borderlands, the handsome collection, yeah. but I really didn't see a lot of people playing uh, Bloodborne after the fact, you know, and you and I are both a part of a couple of groups that we know kind of, that there are that there are people that have been playing nonstop and that have are like gone like second stage of new game plus and, and you know all this all this and that but you know I just you know and it got to the point with me where I tried to go back and play it in the summer and I I finally got to I got I finally beat Vicar Amelia but I also had to have um, I also had to have help to do it. Yeah, I basically had to get somebody online to help me with it, and, and I, I, I literally felt empty. Like I didn't feel like I was. It was something I, I did on my own. Yeah, that usually keeps was, a game from being at the top of the list. Yeah, and it was, I just felt so cheap about. It. Like I felt like I poured myself out to, to have somebody else help me, and I was like, oh, thanks. And then you know they left, and because as soon as they, as soon as they came in, they saw what was going on. They were like. I've I've got this, and they kind of came in, did what they had to do, and then I felt like this like damsel in distress. I was like, "Thank you, sir. <laughs> I couldn't have done this without you." You know, but I just felt I felt so cheap, and and I, I've never felt that way in a game before, where I'm like, "Oh man," you know, like usually I'm the guy that's helping other pe- people out, not not the guy that's 
that's happening. Like, you know what? I have to just admit my fallacies and that no matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, I just can't do this. And it kind of, it was something where I just couldn't deal with it, but kind of going back now and just taking my time with it, I guess. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it, it felt a lot better now. Like, and personally, I think dying light this year was one of the, the, or what last year I should say was one of the best surprises of the year. And it was, it was an early game. And I think because it was such an early game, a lot of people forgot about it, but it's, it's a game that should not have been forgotten because the gameplay was really good. The, the story was fairly decent and just the, the overall enjoyment of that game was just so, so good and so well done that, you know, coming from a team that only had done really dead Island before that, it really, it really goes to show you that when a team is dedicated in, in their mindset of what they want to do and they have the time and the processing to do it, it really can come out to be amazing. Yeah, that's a game like when you start, you're you're literally like parachuting into this world and you're just dropped in and you kind of have to like get it or you're dead. And that's like it's the opening speaks to the entire the way that the whole thing plays. But I sort of wanted to just like back up the conversation and kind of talk a little bit more higher level about like what to you makes like a game of the year, because for me, this was a really this was a hard decision for me, and I went back and forth a lot. And you started out by saying something that really resonated with me, and that like, is Bloodborne a game that is easy to jump into? Is it easy to recommend to people who have never played a Souls game before or a difficult game even? And it's kind of like you kind of mentioned um, a few other games that do have they open with a bit of a tutorial. They teach you like this is how you jump, and these are how the mechanics work. Um, Everybody now will think of the opening, the 1-1 on Super Mario Brothers. Of if you don't jump over the Goomba, you will die. And then that kind of innately teaches you how to play the game. Um, I feel like Bloodborne does that just to the like nth uh, level. And so I felt like I wasn't going to be holding the game from the top of my list because of that. I think, like, especially with a website called We the Nerdy, like, we're kind of like this echelon of nerds that uh, we, we have, like, a pedigree of playing games. And, like, we've, even though this game might might make you question that, I definitely, a few times through a Bloodborne, I'm like, I thought I was, like, I know I'm not amazing at games, but, like, this thing makes me feel, like, really crappy. But, so there's going to be a spectrum of, is a game easy or hard? And is there somewhere on that spectrum that's a sweet spot for a game of the year? And so I thought about that for a really long time, and I, and I realized that that actually has, like, nothing to do with it. And so once I got over that, I had no problem putting Bloodborne to the number one, because if that's part of the equation, then The Witcher 3 is up there as well, in that it's not like you can just jump in and get it. You definitely have to, like, learn how crafting works and how leveling up works, and that you're going to have to be grinding for a long, long time before you're going to be seeing any sort of progress. Not in terms of the story, but just building your character. So once I realized, I'm like, I can't really label these or, or list the top 10 games based on that. I had absolutely no no problem with that. So, um, But you must be pleased that Dying Light kind of... Well, I hit number three on our list. Yeah, I was happy about that. It's just like uh, looking from other people's like other sites top tens and everything like that or, or just t- t- nominations like it didn't really go anywhere like it w- it just was kind of sad um that do you think it, it really, got lost it, it because didn't... it was like open world and because it was zombies like those two things we've seen a lot of 
especially in 2015? I, I can see I can definitely see that being the part of the case. I can also just see it because it literally came out in January. So unless yeah. you're unless you're like this omega level game, like really the only time I've ever seen a game that has been able to come out in January and keep the hearts or keep in somebody's mind or keep it in, in people's minds for a year is Mass Effect Two. Yep. And now the only reason that got that got pushed January was because EA just wasn't didn't think it was gonna be enough to get it out in the holiday season. It kind of, they pushed it back and it was you know, it was it did well for them. It was a smart move. Um, but I also I just think that because because of that and because I think that like yeah, because there were so many other top tier titles that came out, like, you know, even not putting anything against Bloodborne, but Bloodborne came out in February, and that's our game of the year. That's a lot of sites' game of the years. So it just goes to show you how well, you know, game, like, it doesn't have to be a game that comes out in November to make game of the year anymore, which is what the perception was mm-hmm. for the longest time, is that yep. you were going to be a, a, you know, a quarter four game, you were going to make game of the year, and anything else besides that was, wasn't. But I think, like, I look at, I look at games like The Witcher, and I think that, I think that it, it, it's a hard game. It's not a hard game to play, but if you look back and you look at, at people that, like me, I played Witcher 2, and I love that game. I love the story, so I, I kind of already had a familiarity with it. Mm-hmm. There's going to be people that come into Witcher 3 that have no idea who the characters are and all that and can get that from the game, but they don't get as much of a payoff to see, like, uh, Dandelion or uh, Triss and, and how they're, you know, <laughs> I know, I, I definitely so know a writer on the on staff who did not appreciate Dandelion. <laughs> Yo, Messler. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, he definitely did not like that. So I, it's funny that you say that too, because this is like when it comes time to game of the year, it's like a gut check for exactly that. Because I think when The Witcher 3 came out, uh, there was a, we all say Witcher 3 now too, which is funny because right before it came out, they dropped the three. They just kind of called it the Witcher Wild Hunt. They tried to remove that, the number, the stigma of, like, you won't get this if you haven't played the first two. And when it first came out, I remember hearing a lot of, like, nope, you, you don't have to play the first two. Um, but for me, like, I think that I actually missed out because I hadn't played at least the last one. Um, I might have started 2015 with Dragon Age Inquisition. That would have been my first Dragon Age game. I got an hour in, and I'm like, nope, I got to find out what is going on here. And uh, so I went back to Origins, played two. Like, I spent the first three months of 2015 playing Dragon Age and played the first three games. And uh, I wish I probably would have had Witcher maybe on the list or, or maybe even for a front runner if I had sort of the background. I think that really held it. For me personally, it held it back. Um, I don't think that the game on its own uh standard as a as a quality. Well, at least it didn't it didn't like blow my socks off because I just didn't understand what was going on. And I think with Dragon Age Inquisition, I probably let some things go where somebody coming brand new to the series would have said, like, they would have started to get held up on a few of the mechanics because they didn't know the lore or or any of the characters from before. So I think that that can definitely uh, come into play. And um, you mentioned Metal Gear Solid V. I'm wondering if you have sort of like a storied history with that series. It's, well, me and that, I mean, that's like, that was probably the first that was probably the first m-rated game i played and took seriously because i was like i remember that when um 
I got. I remember started playing that game. I was never really into Metal Gear at first. I thought it was a chintzy title, whatever. And then I I got, got the Pizza Hut uh, PlayStation Underground demo disc that came with like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One, Tomb <laughs> Raider Three, and it was like it was like and and, and you older people that you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about, it, you know that we got that. So it's like I got that and I I I, I immediately wanted it for Tony Hawk or no. I wanted it for Tomb Raider. I was like, oh, this is great, this is great. But then I played Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid, and its perception had changed, changed the way I thought about games because it was such movie dynamic and all that. So I've, I've already played and beaten every single Metal Gear main title game. The only one I haven't actually beaten is... Um, what's the one for Vita? It, or, no, it's oh, the one PSP for PSP. For, uh, Snake. Yeah. Um, uh, Peace Walker? Thank you. I have it. I just never beat it. So for me, it, it was I, I'm I'm always been in love with the the snake, the, the, the Metal Gear Solid series. There was a lot of stuff going into this game though, which I was very hesitant on because mm-hmm. one, David Hayter was no longer going to be the voice of Snake, and that immediately pissed me off. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Kiefer Sutherland, as as awesome as he is, is playing Jack Bauer, just didn't really work. Like it made sense, but it would also have made sense if they were going to make this not Metal Gear Solid 5, but Metal Gear Solid, you know, or Metal Gear something, 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 you know, so it was kind of off-putting for me. And then, and honestly, I, I, I had about as low as expectations for this game as I ever have for any Metal Gear Solid game, because, fun fact, people that don't know me, uh, Metal Gear Solid 4 made me retire from video, well, not made me, but I chose to retire from video games for about four months wow. uh, after I beat Metal Gear Solid 4, because... I thought there, I thought gaming, quite honestly, was never going to get any better, because that you know that game basically was Kojima's swan song to the franchise. He, he, you know, he tied up every loose end that he could. You know, he he gave fans exactly what they wanted. It was just this awesome experience, and for me, I, I didn't realize I didn't really think there was going to be another way they could just top themselves. And then you know I started hearing buzz about uh, Metal Gear Solid Five and people playing and. Like oh it's 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 gonna be amazing and and like the gameplay and there's all this freeform and granted I played Ground Zeroes, you know I enjoyed it but I felt like kind of like all right this is just uh it's it's very limited as to what all it kind of has. For yeah, it definitely so, didn't speak to the open world that you would end up seeing in Metal Gear uh, in the Phantom no, Pain. Yeah, not at all. And you know, kind of going back and playing ground zeros after or in preparation for the phantom pain like i could start seeing the what they were planning but on on initial purchase i was like all right this is this is interesting but this isn't really i don't know if this is really gonna be something where i'm gonna keep at this long term and in reality when i, I started to kind of dig into the game and started playing more and more of phantom pain like, that first level is really cool, really trippy, and, and a lot of people were like, whoa, you know, I don't understand what this is, and, you know, it, it was just kind of cool to, to kind of have that experience. But just the free-flowing nature of it, and or, I mean, just the game itself, it was just awesome. Yeah, it's definitely one of those, like, I didn't get to play it until after I submitted my list, so that was kind of, I, I had all best intentions, but unfortunately, like, that last quarter just kicked my ass. And uh, I definitely got a few of the games like right at Christmas or right before. And I just like went absolutely crazy. The last three weeks of December were insane for me. And I just didn't get to, to Metal Gear. But like the first two hours of that impressed me so much. And I was just like, oh, man, that 
if things kind of hold up, and I don't, st- I still don't know if they would have or not. But that game is one where you, we haven't seen it yet. I think this might be the only one, just based on what I've seen, where you grab a friend and say, like, look at what this looks like. This like, and that's Metal Gear. That's always been the thing that it's done right from the very first one. You pull friends over and like, this is a video game. This is what video games look like now. And I think that that we kind of like discount that a little bit because we want to be deeper. Sorry, I just got your message. You can go ahead. I can just hit pause. I'm gonna try to be back in a couple minutes. All right. Yep. No problem. Perfect because the because the mic was still running, we can hear you eating your kit, and we'll just keep that on the podcast. That's fine. Yeah, that's all right. Everybody sort of knows, anyways. It's all so, good. So, so I'll just sort of like so, jump back in as if nothing happened there. Uh, Andrew just had to take care of your kid, uh, but we're talking about Metal Gear. But I kind of wanted to just uh, move on, anyways, and we'll kind of like just rip through uh, the top ten games, kind of like one by one. We'll start at number ten, work our way all the way up to number one, and then just kind of like give me your your 30 second thoughts on on that game and whether or not it had uh hit your top 10 sure okay so number 10 was until dawn well we'll, we'll just sort of start with like my thoughts because that it's my podcast so fuck you uh <laughs> <laughs> it's my show now you let me take over oh god what have i done i actually don't know but we'll see if i can actually get people to like actually record with me that would be pretty good uh, so number 10 is Until Dawn, and I played that late in the year, and it's one of those, this, I was talking about Metal Gear, was one of those ones where I was like telling people who don't play games, I'm like, you need to, you have a PS4, and I don't know why, but you should probably play Until Dawn. Um, so what were your thoughts on this? This rated really highly on my list. I uh, never actually had a chance to play it. Um, I've been meaning to play it, but it's, I've been waiting for the price to drop on it, just because it's one of those games to me that I'm going to go through it once. And I'm very kind of like with that with with uh, Telltale games where I I play through it once to get the to get my experience of it and then I'll kind of you know let it be and if I need to see anything else I'll kind of go on YouTube and and see the alternate version of what could have happened. Yeah, normally I'm like that too, but I think that after beating it, and I really just wanted to play just so that I had it in context with all the other games of the year. Uh, but I wanted to now after playing it, this will be a once a year Halloween experience for me i will play this every year at halloween for sure number nine is rise of the tomb raider so i'm playing i was playing it uh i've been playing it so so i can't agree that's definitely top one of the top games of the year for sure is it like for you is it a, a reason to buy an xbox like do you even like think that that's a thing that you can have a game that says like this is the reason to have this console there definitely can be games that do that. Tomb Raider is unfortunately not one of them. Mm. It's mainly for the fact that it, it's going to come out. It's going to come out next year for PS4, and the, you can definitely see in this one that there was some. They had to hold back some of the the polish on it because it, it was a, also on the 360. So there's definitely just a little bit of last gen f- 
feel in there, mm -hmm. which will hopefully get taken out with the, you know, which will inevitably be called the complete edition or whatever for uh, the PS4 release. So it's just a matter. I So I I think it's a very good game. I think they definitely took a lot of the elements that made the, the last game great and just made them better. Yeah, I totally agree. Number eight is Ori in the Blind Forest, and this one I wrote in my in my write up that I had sort of stayed away from this game for two reasons: one that it was difficult, and two it was a Metroidvania, quote unquote. And I sort of like I wanted to get across. I don't know if everybody had a chance to read it, but I just want to get across it. Like I don't feel like either one of those is necessarily true, and if even if they are, it's to a very small degree. It's not like the first two things that I would talk about it. It's the most beautiful game I played all year, bar none, period, full stop. Um, it's another one where it doesn't matter whether or not you've played games for 30 years or for two months. This is something that I would recommend to everyone, and it was easily my top three. I can't, can't agree. I, I, I can't not. I can't disagree with you there. I mean, uh, this game. I'm literally playing it as we're doing the podcast, and. <laughs> I, it was a game that really took me by surprise when they announced it at E3. Um, what was it, last year? Yeah. I, I knew, like, this is the game. That you, it's such a genuine treat because you don't see games like this on the Xbox a lot. And for it to come out and just the the precision, the beauty of it, the controls, I mean, it really is there's not much that you can really say that's negative about it besides the fact that, yes, it can be fucking difficult. There are, like, four times where it's hard. And other than that, I felt like I was just kind of cruising through it. I'm really not trying to, like, humble brag here. Oh, no, no. You can humble brag all you want, because I've been going through this one part, like, a couple of times. Is it one of those speed parts where you need to race through it? No. No, I'm just trying to get a part. I keep, I just keep, jump, I keep jumping at the wrong spot. I'm just being an idiot, that's all. Oh, that's, yeah, then. That's fine. Number seven is Rocket League, and this is another one that uh, scored pretty highly on my list. This was ridiculous. Uh, again, I, I wrote in the write-up, if it wasn't free, I probably wouldn't have downloaded it. And if it wasn't, if it was retail only, I wouldn't have gone to pick it up. Like, the not even getting into the game itself, but the way that it was released, you just have to tip your hat to Sony and to anybody who really made the decision to make this a free PS Plus game. Everybody got a chance to play it, and it was one of the best games of the year. Uh, I platinumed it this year. I don't platinum too many games. Um, but I just couldn't help but, like, you know, it was one of those games where I'm like, I'll just have a match. And then before I know it, I'm playing for three hours straight. Again, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, this game was, that game was so addicting. And considering it came out, like, over the summer, and it, it was a game that you just could It was so simple to play, but so hard to really master. And, you know, it became a game for, for my son and I to play it for a while. We were just kind of playing against the AI, you know, having some fun, and then all of a sudden I started, decided to start jumping in on the online scene, and wow, it just kind of, it took me by surprise, and and what people were doing, and, and how elegant the gameplay really was, and just how fun the gameplay is, and, and how every match, you every even down to the buzzer, there have been games where we've been down by four points, and we came back from behind, or we were we cost ourselves a game because we just got too cocky, so mm -hmm. it, it's, it's probably the best sports game that to me that's come out in a very long time definitely i used to be addicted i used to be all i played were sports games and i haven't picked one up in a really long time i played fifa for a little bit for the review this year 
but I haven't played one really to this degree in quite a few years, so I, I would agree with you. Um, number six, this is one that I think some people were sort of afraid to even vote for. There's a lot of varying opinions on Batman Arkham Knight, and I played it well outside of, I guess, the fallout of when it was, when it was uh, released. There was a lot of, I guess, some people loved it, some people hated the tank. And so, like, Ooh, I kind of, I kind of got to experience tank. it outside of all of that stuff. And I think you were playing it just as it was released, so you probably I was, yes. Um, and I'm a little pissed because, uh, not spoiler talk, but I called who the Arkham Knight was a very, very long time ago. Oh yeah. And I was very upset when they were like, they were like, it's the new character. Like, you know, spoilers for minor spoilers, minor spoilers here. Um, that they were like, oh, you know, it's it's. It's not anybody you know, and I'm like, I don't know. This sounds very similar to a character in the DC universe. You don't, you kind of align to me. You know. So anyway, but I loved two thirds of that game. Mm-hmm. The story was, I think, a notch down from Arkham City and Arkham Asylum. But I think the gameplay was at its peak, and I think that. A lot of like the, the graphics were phenomenal. I mean, that was that was one of the best looking games of this year. Mm-hmm. So it, it and I, I really think that it deserved a better send off than what it had. And I think that a little bit of I think it was a little bit bullshit. And I think I even took it off. I, I forgot it. Off. I took it off my list too because I forgot about it to be honest. Um, and it, I love the game. I, the combat was fantastic. I just think that a lot of the ridiculousness was the fact that like the Riddler trophies were just insane, and you had to use the the Batmobile for thirty percent of them. And and some people were just saying like it's a little ridiculous that Riddler was set up, you know, all these things. And I get that, but it's also a video game, so you gotta take, take you know, you're also you know walking around as a guy dressed up in a bat suit who's a billionaire who, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, yeah, what are you going to take choose? everything for what it is? Yeah. Yeah, I, it's funny because, like, the Riddler stuff comes up quite often, and so does the tank, but some of the things that didn't really get brought up too much until I think I heard just a few opinions uh, in the last month talking about how Man Bat and uh, Firefly, like, I think some of those side missions were, like, the most interesting. And watching the jail or the, the prison cells within Gotham City uh, uh, PD, when they started to, like, fill up, like, like it was more than just seeing my progress bar reach out to the 100%. It was actually, like, I feel like I'm making this city better. And uh, I don't know that it, that game was given enough credit for some of those other achievements. And there's a lot of focus put on how difficult is it to 100% this game. Uh, And I don't know that that standard was really held to too many other games this year. Um, But maybe it's because there's an ending that's actually, you can't get unless you do 100% this game. So I'm not really sure where that comes from. It's the fourth or technically the the third Rocksteady Batman game. Um, So that might have something to do with the fact that it's held to a different standard. And I kind of, looked at Batman and Tomb Raider in the same way in that had these been the first ones, like the, the if this was the first Tomb Raider game I, or if this was the reboot or if this was the first Batman game that I had seen, then like they would probably be game of the year. But because they're not, like they're way further down the list for a lot of people. Well, I think 
that part of Batman too, and, and I just gotta have to say that Man Bat, the first scene with Man Bat scared the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> Fuck that shit. But um, I think too that because Batman got delayed so many times that it it had already hit its peak back in October of last year, and then they pushed it to March, and they pushed it to, to June, and then it got to the point where like. I can't wait to play it, but I've been like that for six months, and I just, you know, I already played Witcher 3, and to me, that was a better game overall. Yeah. So it was kind of, actually, no, I beat, I, I stopped Witcher 3 to play, to finish Arkham, Asylum, Arkham Knight, then I went back to Witcher 3 to finish Witcher 3. So. Yeah, so when you, you have, and I think even though they're both open world games, I think Batman feels like a more self-contained game where The Witcher is just like, well, there goes 200 hours of my life. Pretty much. And I think that with Batman, I I love the twist that they, they ended up doing with the story and, and all that element. And I'm not, I won't give that away because that's a huge spoiler. But I also think that where does it go from here? Like where where can they take that series that's new and fresh and and... That's exciting, and I don't know. I know it's not gonna be Roxy that does it, but I also don't know what else they can do with Batman on his own that will be worth picking up and playing another twenty or thirty hours for. Yeah, well, we'll we'll leave on this, and I'll totally butcher this line from whatever Batman movie it was. I think it was The Dark Knight Rises, where um, Alfred says to Bruce that you're going to be a hero long enough to become the villain or something like that. And I think that's kind of what happened with this Rocksteady series. It was the greatest thing to happen until people started to really hate it. And, and uh, it sort of begrudgingly appeared on some top 10 lists. Uh, but number five is appropriately Metal Gear 5, The Phantom Pain. So you sort of talked about this one already, and I can't wait to to kind of cross this one off of my backlog list going into 2016. I've got maybe about a month before some series titles uh, start to come out here. So are you going to continue to play this? Or are you kind of like done with it or? Yeah, I still haven't actually gotten to the end of it. So, and there, there's just so much to actually take in in that game that it's going to be something where I'm going to be playing it for a long time. I just feel bad because I already, I, I haven't read spoilers, but I've already been told that to get to the final, final, final ending, like basically it's not a finished game. Okay. So, and and to kind of to get to the final final end, you have to redo a bunch of missions on extreme difficulty in a specific situation. So it's a little ridiculous. I will probably end up doing it at some point in time, but it won't be soon. But I will get, at least get to the, the core story component and see what happens, and probably watch the ending on YouTube. But I but I love that game and the gameplay so much that it does. I don't get bored from playing it. I don't go back and go, oh god, I gotta do this again. I've that game in the thirty hours I put into it already. I've never been bored with it, so I I can't. I love that game. Nice. Moving along, Fallout 4. This is one that actually, if I had get, submitted my top 10 list 20 hours into this game, this would have been my number one pick. And the longer that I played Fallout 4, the more I started to... I became a little nitpicky, to be honest, but like really I started to have some problems with the story and the pacing and, of course, the technical issues, but I generally kind of... Those are the least of my worries. Um I think it had a lot going against it, actually, considering how much hype there was. Uh, but for me, um, it got worse the more I played it. And I don't know if you had the same sort of experience with it. Uh, I wouldn't say I had the same experience with it, but I did. I do understand where people were kind of getting um, bored with it. I 
I'm still in that, that phase where I'm still enjoying it. I think that I was kind of just doing whatever was coming my way, and, I, and I'm kind of just doing – I'm just playing as long. I mean, I, I, I've played enough Bethesda games to know that the stories usually just suck a bunch of assholes. So I, people will say that the story sucks. I'm like, what did you expect from Bethesda? Like, Bethesda basically goes, we're going to throw you into a world, you know, you're going to dick around and do whatever the hell you want, just have fun and do whatever you want to do. So, for you know, I, I, I get that people are upset, and I know that, that people wanted more of, like, a, a, a Bioware-esque game in here, but... <laughs> Who said that? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Nobody on this podcast, that's yeah, for sure. It was, uh, it was me. Uh, please read it at com. I said Bioware should have made Fallout 4, and it would have been better for everybody. Uh, but aside from that totally controversial thing, on the point of, like, just creating this sandbox and letting you kind of do whatever you want, I feel like they did achieve that, but I feel that uh, Rockstar does that better with the Grand Theft Auto games. Uh, they're more technically sound. You can actually do more things, I think. you can, And the missions are a little bit more um, imaginative. But it's not like, and this is the thing, like, it always sounds like I'm, like, really downplaying some of these games, but, it, like, these are the, really the, top, the the 10 best games of the year, and I don't want to take that away from them, and it really was, at, at a certain point, this was the best game that I had played, um, but at a certain point, I kind of, like, look back, I just sort of, like, walked away from the game, and there were certain beats in there that I just felt that were missed, and they, it's not like they were totally missed. Like they almost got, there's, there's, there's huge moments for your character where you meet certain other pivotal characters. And it's like, those should have happened and they should have happened and they happened in the right place. But it was almost like the performances were holding, holding them back. And so I think Bethesda has some to learn about, not just like the writing is there, but the performances, I think, uh, it needs to really just pound you in the face. Like a few other games, um, did a little bit better. Um, Life is Strange is another one that comes to mind. I'm playing through that right now, and it's just like the gameplay isn't there, but the performances and the and when certain pivotal moments happen, they just like they make your t- your stomach turn. And I think that Fallout should have that, but it doesn't. Yeah, I can get. I understand that. I think, and I I agree with you. I think that they should have more of that. I think they really need to focus on more that and i'm hoping that for eventually because let's face it you know we all know that, that fallout 5 won't come for the next 10 years or something like that but you know uh, hopefully with the next elder scrolls game they do kind of implement something along those lines and they make it they make the game a, a better they make the game a better gameplay experience and, and just a, and a better storytelling experience rather than just kind of one or the other and, and sacrificing gameplay for storytelling or vice versa mm-hmm so then number three is Dying Light. And again, this is... I'm really glad that this made it to number three on our list because if for no other reason, it's probably being overlooked by too many sites and too many people. This is... It's number three for a reason. There, This is one of those everybody should play it. It's not... Th- and the one thing that people aren't saying about this one is that it's hard. This game is really difficult, like especially when the yeah. sun goes down. I was not expecting that. So I, it's funny because I stayed away from games like Ori and the Blind Forest because I heard it was difficult. But meanwhile, I'm playing Dying Light, and this, that's way harder. That game was, this game that was a hell of a lot harder. Especially at night, because I, I was usually a post for a game for that kind of stuff. Unless I absolutely had to at night, I was usually like, I was like nope, yeah. I'm just going to sit around and I'm going to run like a bad motherfucker if I was outside. 
yeah, I'm like, I will try to get maybe a trophy or two. or And that was it. And even if I wasn't really easily getting them, I was moving away from... And I think there's a couple of missions that make you go out at night. But other than that, I'm like, nuts to that. That was a very atmospheric, very frightening. Um, that game, yeah, it doesn't get nearly enough credit. And it, it probably sold well enough because of where it came out in the year. But it probably was forgotten when it came time to make a top 10 list. Oh, for sure. And I can't wait because they're... DLC is dropping next month, and I am I am excited for that. Yeah, and the other part that people don't talk about enough is the co-op. So I think uh, I think you had so a chance good. to do co-op. Yeah, you had more chance to do that than I did. By the time I got around to it, nobody was playing it. Yeah, and what sucked, what doesn't make any sense to me in that game for the co-op was just that the the, the first part and the last part do not allow for co-op play. So it's kind of weird that you can basically have the beginning and the end be no co-op and then the middle just be this whole like fest of, of just co-op fun so it was very weird and kind of very very off-putting especially considering that the end just basically throws you in like uh, this fucking wave of just non-stop zombies and you're kind of doing everything in your power to stop them and you really kind of you get fucked very easily <laughs> on that well especially if you've only played the game on co-op then you're you're kind of all yeah. by yourself yeah that would suck Number two, I remember when this game came out. You were over the moon with it. You you'd convinced me to go get it at the time, and I never did. Uh, but The Witcher Three: Wild Hunt, I played about fifteen fifty sorry fifteen minutes fifteen hours of this. It did not click for me, but I will let you kind of let me know why this is a contender for the game of the year. It really it opens up a lot of new possibilities in the overall. Basically, it did. It, we were talking, we were complaining about what Bethesda did with with Fallout. Well, it out Fallout, Fallout. So, because it gave you that freedom of doing whatever you wanted to do within the world and having consequences and having a grand story and just looking phenomenal. Now, granted, people don't like the people say that the combat sucks and all that. I beg to differ on that. I don't think the combat is is terrible. Uh, you know, I don't think that, that it's all also. So, um, I don't think it's it's the worst thing in the world, but at the same time, I also think it was it was good and and it was it had enough depth into it that it was entertaining and could be fun. Now, granted, not every battle was was amazing, but. I think the story and, and the, the characters that were involved were engrossing, and just even the side missions themselves. You know, there, there were side missions that, yes, they 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 could have been your simple fetch quest, but they weren't. They were as far far away from the truth as possible. Possible. Yeah, there was one mission. I think there's a lot of people talking about this one where. You're, you find this somebody's daughter is sick and she's got some sort of curse or something, I think, and you go to a house or a cabin and you realize that there's a dead body and a, and a ghost that is sort of like bound to a bracelet um, that this person had her, her arm removed. And you have to kind of like put pieces together to find out like why is this ghost still here and what do I have to destroy to get rid of it? And then you have this epic battle with it. And it actually has like a branching, I'm not sure if... Um, you remember this one, but it had a two different ways that you could go about completing this quest. And once you finish it, it's sort of like 
nothing. Like, it doesn't really have any bearing on the story or anything, which is that's a side quest. But I just found that it was interesting that you could actually go about this in two different ways. You could succeed by just killing her right at the start, or you would actually have to start doing this investigative approach. And uh, I definitely appreciated that, but I, I think it was maybe an hour later where I, I experienced just, just a horrible side quest. And I was like, uh, I'm like 15 hours in, I'm level 2 or level 3, and I'm not really feeling powerful enough. Um, but this is a game I'm going to have to go back to. I think that I will play Witcher 2 and just kind of get a little bit of the backstory. With, with these fantasy games, I think that it's actually more important than anybody's letting on that you understand who the characters are, what the world are, like basically what the rules of the universe are. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't really quite get that. So, and I don't think the gameplay is strong enough on its own um, for it's for it to land on my top ten list. So, that is my rebuttal. Moving we'll on. Understand that. Yeah, and and the other thing too is like even just kind of talking about how you talk about The Witcher. It's I think a lot of people sound like they're on the defensive about it, and so it's just kind of like that's not the most ringing endorsement. But I mean, whatever. No. And it, honestly, if you if you really want to get into the into the lore you don't necessarily have to play the game uh read the or read or listen to the books that that can give you that gives you all your knowledge on siri and yennefer and all that that you do because honestly yennefer really isn't in the other game so you i got a lot of her backstory because of the books i've read oh okay yeah because she does something uh interesting in the first i don't know 10 hours or so or depending on how how quickly you go through the story missions um she definitely has an interesting uh thread she has some yeah yeah i'm trying so hard not to try not yeah that too (laughs) trying not to spoil anything on to our number one and because i want to i have a few other questions for you before i let you go tonight but number one for bloodborne this is something that i just did not see as even being a possibility that i would even try uh it's just sort of like ori the blind forest but i'm so glad that i did and i'm glad that i got past the first this sounds probably stereotypical of anybody who's played Bloodborne and if it's their first Souls game. But I played for like five or six hours and I'm like, I didn't go anywhere and I don't even know what to do. And it wasn't, I knew that when you die, you lose your blood echoes and that if you die again, uh, they're gone for good. So when you die, you can actually go back and get them from either the monster who may have stolen them or just like a pile of blood that's on the ground. And so I knew that that was bad. And so I was always stressing out whenever I whenever I died, but I didn't realize that the blood echoes are really what was the key to upgrading, and that I could upgrade, that I could actually become more powerful than than the enemies that I was seeing. And so, like, I don't think that the game really ever tells you like use these things to upgrade your strength or to even to look at what are your what your attributes do. Um, but once you realize that you can start to like build up an edge over the game. You can kind of realize where are your checkpoints, where can you go back and start to spend these upgrade points. And as soon as that happens, it becomes the most addicting game that I've ever played. I'm like, I'll I'll just go back once more and I'll load up on as many blood echoes as I can. I'll go kill the guys that I know I can kill and I'll come back and I'll spend it and get a little bit stronger. And like, that is such like an innocent back to basics gameplay loop that I didn't see in really anything else. Um, it was so solid, but it wasn't laid out right at the start. And so I didn't, like, once I realized that I couldn't hold that against the game, I'm like, this is like, the game does exactly what I want it to. Every time that I press a button, it's like, 
I couldn't find a cheat in the game. You know, sometimes when your when your main mechanic is dodging, you kind of hope to either like jump through, like have some sort of like clipping happen where you're jumping through the character, but there's really none of that. Every surface, every creature, every wall, everything, every statue is solid. And so you're never like accidentally going through, you're never cheating through anything. You have to make sure that you have the space and you have the area around you to actually commit to each and every attack. And the other thing too is I think with I the first thing that comes to mind is Super Mario. When you make a jump, you can sort of like self-correct while you're in the air. Um, but there's really none of that here where if you hit strong attack, that guy is going to go through that full animation. There's no like, oh crap, that was a bad idea. You have to be sure. So the risk reward is more than just am I going to approach this character, but am I actually going to try and just like chip away at him with these little uh, quick attacks, like almost like a jab or do I have enough time to just full out swing this giant axe at this thing's face? And it was so gory and like it's so tense. I don't know. I'm even like my hands are sweaty even just talking about this. Uh, I never had an experience like that in this year or the last year or the year before that even. And I, this is a game that sort of converts me maybe into a Souls fan. I don't even know. Like I actually want to go back and, and discover what I've been missing all these years because everybody's been scaring me off with how hard they are. So that to me is what a game of the year is, where all I want to do is go back and play it. I feel like a total badass when I do something great. Um, I haven't quite hit a point in the game yet where it's kicking my ass for so long that I think that it's unfair. Yeah, I agree. I That's kind of like where I was. I, I got to the point where I was Vicar Amelia where I kind of had to take a break from it because I, I just could not get past that one for the life of me. But also... The like when you get thrown in the game, like I died six or seven times easy, but won that first werewolf that you fight, mm-hmm. and I didn't know that you had to go to uh, the dream world to get any of your weapons or equipment or anything like that. So yeah, it's, it's you you kind of just are left there to kind of at your own devices to kind of figure everything out, and I think it's great, and I think the gameplay is very very refreshing, and it's very. You don't have. To, there's not a specific technique that you have to do in in every boss that you have to fight to win. You can go in there however you want, and really, it's up to you, the player, to to win. And I remember I was playing uh, against the the Bloodstarved Beast, or what's the Bloodstarved Beast? Whichever that first yep. optional boss is. Yep. Um, yep. I I beat him on my first try, and the feeling of victory that I had on that is probably the best feeling I've ever had defeating a boss in a video game ever so it it was like it was crap because it's funny i was like i was talking to my friend when we were playing it and, and he like hears me screaming and i'm going insane he's like it's about to happen oh my god oh my god he's like oh my god i can't believe you just did that and we we're just we're freaking out together it was so it was just an amazing experience and you know <laughs> it I, sounds like you're reacting to the best part of a wrestling match it kind of was it was just like it was like but god my God, he's broken in half. <laughs> but it was, it was just so surreal, and and the, the addiction of and and kind of like learning just that that grinding is your friend in that game. Yeah. It is is what you have to kind of come to the conclusion with, and it's kind of like an old school RPG where if you want to really get to the best level, you have to you have to do all that core grinding first. You just don't realize it because you're playing an action game. Exactly. Yeah, I just kind of had to shift my thinking of what was I even playing, 
And once you kind of exactly. once that clicks, yeah, the the feeling is like no other. So, but I will say, coming from a guy who did opt to play Dark Souls two after playing Bloodborne, it's very hard to get into. Is it really? Yeah, it's because there's a lot of mechanics there that are very like. Um, because when you die, every time you die, you lose a part of your life, and the farther down, and you don't get it back. Ooh. So until you like you heal yourself, so it's a lot harder than Bloodborne, and the action's a little bit slower paced too. So it's kind of there's definitely elements I like too, because I like more of the medieval theme to it. But there's definitely elements there that um, I, I hope they're going to improve on with Dark Souls three, and I think they've already kind of made it more action oriented. Than they than they were planning on doing before Bloodborne came out, so we'll see. I'm I'm definitely stoked for for Dark Souls three though now. Yeah, it's an interesting thing that you you talk about that too. Where I, oh, so I'm gonna I don't know if this is gonna make sense, but I'm sort of drawing a parallel between uh, Bloodborne and the Demon Souls games, and then also with Uncharted and The Last of Us, because The Last of Us is, has received so much critical acclaim. Uh, both series, everybody's everybody loves. Um, but once The Last of Us came out, it sort of like shifted what everybody expected from and is going to expect from Naughty Dog. And so I wonder if uh, the same thing is going to happen with From Software. And the reason that I kind of bring it up is because I'm not sure that I necessarily want Naughty Dog to bring anything over from The Last of Us to Uncharted. I sort of want them to remain separate things. And I think the same thing with having not played any of the other Souls games, but I think that it's important to have those like two separate franchises because you have one that's a little bit more hardcore and that's going to speak to a certain audience. And then you'll have, it's weird to call Bloodborne a little bit more mainstream, but relatively speaking, I think that it is. But having like those really like hardcore games, they will have these offshoots that happen and that's really where a developer will grow but I hope that they're able to to have both the, the hardcore and the and the quote unquote more mass appeal type of game. I agree with you and I think that I think Dark Souls is going to be the one that's a little more mass appeal just because it's multi-platform but I also see them uh, it's hard because I I also see them kind of not making another Bloodborne for a long time, if ever. Yeah. Because, I, granted, it was a success, but I don't necessarily know if From Software is really going to want to dabble. There's already talk that, it's, that Dark Souls 3 is going to be the last in the franchise. Now, whether, you know, Bandai Namco is going to let that ha happen, we'll, we'll see. But I, I don't know if that's going to be something. Because the funny thing is that From Software has been around for, for, for decades. I mean, they've been, they, they originally started out with... Um, Oh, what the hell was in that game that's now bastardized and I hate? Uh, oh, I don't know. Maybe I have played it. Oh, it's, 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 it, I think everybody's played it. It, was, it originally came out for Armored Core. There we go. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Brain. Oh, I have played that They one. started out with that. They had, like, they did, like, folklore. They did, they've done so many games. And, like, they, a lot of, the funny thing is that a lot of their games have been critically panned. Like, a lot of their PS2 games were just considered garbage in American audiences. Is. But somehow this this development company that that you know in, in this day and age if they would have been doing the stuff that they were doing in the PS2 era they would have been they would never would have made it they would have made two games they'd have been done but over in Japan they've had enough of a following to kind of keep this going and because of that we were able to get Dark Souls and Bloodborne and Demon Souls so 
I, I don't know if that's gonna they're necessarily going to continue with that. I'd like to see them kind of continue with it to an extent because it's at least something that they're they're doing well with. But it, it remains to be seen at this point. Yeah. So overall, like, how do you think? Uh, I don't know if anybody's like still waiting for a 2008 to happen for this generation. Uh, overall, how do you think 2015 was? I think this is the strongest year of games in a very long time. Quite honestly, I think if it wasn't for, I, I mean, I think it's funny because people keep joking around now that every year is the year that we're just we're just waiting on for last year's games to come out now, yeah. which is, is a case yes and no, but it's also the fact is, is that we just also have to face the fact that developers and everything kind of don't necessarily have the same time and, and kind of efforts they do they did back in the day so you know i'm ha- i'm quite ha- happy that a lot of games got pushed to 2015 that's were to come out in 2014 because you know the witcher would have come out unpolished uh mm-hmm. a lot of things would have come out unpolished so you know i think this is without a doubt one of the best years gaming has had in a very very long, long time and i'm just happy to see gaming in general just, just kind of thriving yeah, because I think that there. This is a top ten list for for our site, but even just within the staff writers, there are a number of games that didn't quite make that top ten overall list. And I think that the number of games that are just outside the elevens and the twelves are still really, really high quality games, and really just speaks to how lucky we were in twenty fifteen. So, oh, for sure. With that, I have to ask, like, what are you looking forward to in twenty sixteen? It's crazy that we're like. Already about uh, a weekend, but it feels like the backlog is just like looming. Yeah, I think Mass Effect and Drama, if that does come out this year, uh, I'm excited to play. What do you, do you think uh, it will? Um, do you think it will? I think it will because I think I think EA needs to have that title that really can kill it. Uh, that that can do that. That was kind of gangbuster numbers. That isn't going to necessarily be Star Wars related. Uh, whatever the Star Wars game is supposed to be that's coming out this year. Uh, it's a oh, you're open nuts. World. It's not going to happen this year. It, ha- well, it has to. I think they're supposed to. I think EA's plan is to have a, a Star Wars title every year. So, and if, it's been, if they've been working on it for quote unquote three, like two years now or something bullshit like that, they have to have something at this point. Oh, man. The funny thing is that like every year for the next five or whatever year, eight years or something is going to be Star Wars year. So. Hopefully they don't, they don't force anything out. Oh, me too. Oh, me too. Uh, yeah, so Mass Effect is definitely up there. Are you going to be buying Uncharted first day? Uh, I'm debating it right now. Honestly, yeah. I think I'm going to hold off and see how reviews are. Because I'm just, I don't, I don't deny the team that's doing it. I mean, Naughty Dog is is probably one of, if not the best developers out there right now. And I mean, they, they have my favorite game of all time, you know, Last of Us. As cliche as that is to say now... That game, that game hits you in the feels like no other game I think can, because just because of how well they they choreograph that whole thing and how well the acting is done. So mm-hmm. I'm very much excited for it. I think it's gonna be a it's gonna be another really good year if everything kind of pans out. Honestly, a game that I'm keeping my eyes on that that really isn't getting a lot of buzz is the Technomancer. I don't even know what that is. Basic. It's from a god. It's only from a team that's only done one other game before that wasn't very critically re- well recepted. But what it is is it's basically what they're touting it as is the Witcher on Mars in the future. 
Nice. So I am like, I am intrigued. So hmm. we'll see how it actually pans out. I don't think I, my, my <coughs> honest opinion on it probably is going to be, yeah, you're talking a lot of talk. You ain't walking that walk. So, but we'll ne- we never know. No, I never know. And I, I hope, I hope they can prove me wrong. I hope that they have, a, they, they make this game the the best they can. And it, it tops the Witcher. Cause honestly, we're not getting Cyberpunk 2027 next year as much as I'd love to have that game come out this year. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, what else is coming out this year? I'm trying to think. Any of the Microsoft exclusives? Like, are you into the Gears of War or ReCore or, or well, Quantum Break? ReCore got pushed back. So Quantum Break I'm definitely interested in. Um, Quantum Break I'm definitely interested in because I've, I've always liked everything that um, – that team is done. I mean, I've I still want a Max Payne four. Damn it, I love Max. I just love him Max Payne. <laughs> um, uh, what else is coming out? Um, uh, my uh, Forza Horizon two. I know it's or Forza Horizon three. I'm sorry, is coming out because they it, as much as they haven't announced it yet. It's 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 every other year kind of thing going on. So I already know it's coming, and I love the Horizon games. Uh, what else? Uh, Gears, I'm definitely interested in. It's got more of like a horror vibe to to it this time around, at least based on what they showed us at E3. So I'm kind of, uh, I'm I'm interested in that. What else? Um. Uh, Sony should finally have some, Final Fantasy 15. I I'm definitely have my eyes on. Do you play um, the Persona games? Oh yes, Persona Five. Yes. Oh, I can't wait. I'm really, I'm not sure what to feel about it because I really have only played the fourth one, so I'm not sure if it's totally right for me to say. Like, I'm a huge fan. I love the fourth one more than I ever thought oh, I would. Oh, so good. So we'll see if I, it all, it's all about the characters, really, because I love the characters in the fourth one, so we'll see if they, if they work out in this one. So, pretty much the, the, what they happen in the fourth, what, what you do in the fourth one is pretty much what you do in all the games, so it's not really like it's, like, that well, that's far what out I there to say you love the series. Yeah, so that's kind of why I think the characters really have to be spot on for me to love that game. And the music too, I guess. So I was going to sort of like dive in deep with what it's like to run a website like WeTheNerdy.com, but I think I've taken up enough of your time and maybe I'll have you back and we'll we'll dig deep about running this site with a bunch of people who can either come and go at their leisure and what that's all like. Uh, so maybe a teaser for the next time you're around. Uh, but... Well, maybe close things off with, do you have any, like, gaming New Year's resolutions, and then where can people find you? Uh, no New Year's resolutions, honestly, for me. I'm more just along the lines of, I see they finished my backlog. Oh, that's my, a, my main thing. That's a scary place to be. I, I changed yes, the way I sort of, like, approached the backlog back in 2015, and it's just, like, a, a, such a freeing place to be. Like, I used to let my backlog control me and no more like if that if they're not going to be played then i'm i'm good i will i'll try my best but i my moving forward i just wanted to like continue to play whatever's new and i think just being able to like talk with people about what it is that's that's out and talk to talk about it when it's at its hypest that's the i might actually have to edit that word out uh awesome to be able to be part of the conversation when it's like really hot I think is 
really exciting. I was able to be part of that at the last quarter of this year and just moving forward. I don't want to like play old games anymore, I don't think. So that's me moving forward in 2016. I'm going to try and play as many new games as they as they're coming out. I agree. I'm kind of the same way now. I kind of I try to play them as much as I can when they come out. And then, you know, if they I don't play them, I don't play them. You know, if they get come trading father, they come trading father. You know, it's it's not like it's a huge make or break thing for me, honestly. Um, oh, don't die, Corey. Damn you, died. Um, but at the same time, I also want to go back and kind of just. You know, there's there like Fallout. I still want to play some more of. Um, you know, there's just there's some games I have to go back. I want to go back and play, but that's not because I feel obligated to. It's because I enjoy playing them. And and I know like Witcher Witcher Three is going to have. Uh, they have their um, Blood and Wine expansion coming out in a couple months, which is supposed to add like another twenty or thirty hours minimum to the game. So. I'm I am more than my body's more than ready for that. I thought <laughs> I just bought um I just bought a fucking uh, Hearts of Stone uh, this past week, so I'm gonna play that still. Oh, nice. That's nice. probably gonna be uh after my Tomb Raider binge is gonna be is gonna be that uh, that or going back to Bloodborne. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it's it, you know um just kind of doing what I can with the limited time I. I have to play video games just kind of sucks because I get maybe an hour every night to play. So it kind of becomes, you know, what can I play that I'm going to enjoy that I don't spend too much time in? Yeah, it's funny how some of these episodic games are a little bit more enticing because you just kind of, if you can put it away in two hours, that's kind of where I've been going these last little while. So Yeah, um, the bite-sized games where it's at sometimes. Yeah, so we'll talk about that hopefully next time. Maybe we'll get a few more guests and I'll obviously swing by again. Uh, where can people find you on the Twitters and on wherever else you are? Oh, uh, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Uh You'll find I post all the links to all of our We the Nerdy content on there. I don't really post a lot of stuff personally anymore because I don't, I don't tend to use Twitter as much as I used to. I think Twitter's for hipsters. Just kidding. Um... You can find me on uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash, I think it's Andrew Semichek. I don't remember what it is. I have it specifically set to. And my podcast. Badger Banner should be coming back soon, too. For those of you that uh, don't know what that is, it's uh, a podcast I host with, co-host with uh, Alan and Nora Walker. So that's the fun time. We should be getting back on track with that relatively soon. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the last time I listened to one of your episodes, I was doing yard work in the backyard, which means that it was not snowing and it was actually nice. So you guys hopefully can get back to it because I really enjoyed listening to Badger Banter. We really enjoy recording. It's 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 been so hectic for the three of us to kind of get things in place. And with everybody kind of having different work schedules now and and, and kind of different places in our lives, it's very hard for us to to get together. But, you know, we've kind of are promising to come back so we're not, not we're not dead we're not you know we're just we just took a break for a little bit but we should be coming back stronger faster better smarter <laughs> nice. punkier. uh yeah well i definitely know what that's all about which is sort of why i wanted to launch a podcast on my own because i at least know that i will be free to record so as long as i can line up uh, at least one person uh, and it's a, hopefully a small commitment i can and try to talk to some people throughout the community so that is we the gamer cast and thanks so much for talking to me no problem sean thank you for having me
So there you have it, folks. That was a great conversation with our fearless leader, Andrew Senechek. I had a great time talking about our top 10 games of the year, and I, I wanted to get a little bit more into what it what it's like to run a website like that, but we just ended up sort of talking about games. So uh, I also noticed that there are some weird things happening with the, some of the mics, so I apologize about the audio trouble and probably some sort of internet connection thing. So I'll, I'll work on that for next week. Uh, I should let you know that We The Gamer Cask is a weekly podcast where I talk to strangers about video games. And if you or someone you know wants to be part of the show, the best way to do it is to find me on Twitter, at Sean Capri, and we'll chat it up for about 45 minutes or so. Remember, We The Gamer Cast is just one of the shows on WeTheNerdy.com. One of my, again, personal favorites is Game Overman with Sean Messler and Rory Wood, and it's all about games and movies, so definitely go check that one out. Uh, and be sure to check out our top 10 games of 2015 list. I've got an article up on there, my own personal top 10. Uh, with Andrew, we just kind of went over the sites, uh, overall 10 games of the year. So you can go to my list and find out where Halo 5 and Forza 6 landed if you're an Xbox gamer. Uh, but other than that, that is all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, send me some feedback. Throw me, throw me a message on Twitter or do a review on the iTunes. And thank you so much, and I'll talk to somebody later.